0: Tonight, we're especially privileged to have with us some family. It's been a long, long time. Uh, I guess it was maybe four years ago. Four years ago. We sent one of our best families away. (laughs) I did say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to be diplomatic and... Socially correct, I said one of our best families. See, Hunter, you, Hunter's learning here. You know, listen, I didn't just get off the turnip truck, but anyway, we sent one of our <laughs> we sent one of our best families to Tennessee to help co plant a church, and I'm going to tell you, it just about killed me, and. It's been a good four years for them, uh, and now that that season of co-planting the church is over, uh, starting a home group in their house. Now, I'm going to let Dan, I don't know how Dan's going to minister, I don't know if he's going to share some personal stuff, or if he's going to go to the Word, or if he's just going to start ministering. We're just going to kind of let Dan and the Lord be in charge of that, okay? Is that okay? Just let Dan and the Lord be in charge of that? And whatever happens, happens. Uh, I did notice one thing, though, Dan. You did not bring your coon hunting light with you. So the electricity is going to stay on. Maybe Dan, would y'all like to, when Dan gets started, would y'all like to hear Dan's story about the coon hunting lamp hat thing? Or it's, it's, it's kind of a lamp light the coal miners wear. Dan's got a million and a half stories. and uh, But we're glad to have Dan And Emily and Caroline here, y'all give them all a big hand, okay? Uh, You okay? Everything you need? All I need, brother. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Before I speak, uh, this is my ministry partner, okay? This is like this is like my my other half. (laughs)
1: The bigger half.
0: No. (laughs) She's my better half. And he's my other half. Okay? (laughs) Now, if you're thoroughly confused, maybe Dan can unravel that. I'll certainly try. Okay? Now you're
1: in trouble. Now you're in trouble. Now, um, before I go on, I do want to say my wife was going to be here tonight. uh, But she is absolutely tired. War slap out. She's about 15 weeks pregnant. (laughs) So... um, It's just for men. Medium, number five. Um, We had Thomas, my other little boy who's two and a half, who's not here tonight. I was coming out of the library in uh, Sevierville, where we live, and this lady saw me carrying Thomas, and she said, Oh, isn't he beautiful? I said, Oh, yes, he is. She said, Aren't grandchildren just wonderful? (laughs) And being a godly Christian man, I looked at her and I said, Yes, they are. Yes, they are. He loves his papa. So, I uh, will have to keep um, coloring my beard so I don't look like a grandpa now with all these grandkids around me. But uh, we live in Tennessee. How many of you have been to Sevierville or Pigeon Forge? You've been to f- just about everybody. We call it the Redneck Riviera. Yeah, because second to uh, Disney World, everybody comes there. And uh, people come there to uh, see the mountains and feed the bears and run from the bears and and uh eat the food and do the now they've got all the zip lines everywhere has anybody ever done a zip line yeah i've, I've never done one um they've got them now where you can fly all over the place and so it's a pretty neat place to live it's um it's an interesting place to live let me just say that uh we we live up on a mountain literally up on a mountain and keith will um am yes, he does. i high up on a mountain. And uh, do I need to back up away from this? Because I'll stand over here. I think you'll be okay. Okay. All right. Well, we live up on a mountain, and we've had a lot of snow, Uh, a pile of snow, in fact. More snow than we've ever had since we've been up there in four years, but more snow than most people have had since they've been up there for their lives. And so we had about 12 inches at our house. It was so bad we couldn't get off our mountain because if we did, we'd have to walk down. Uh, We couldn't drive down the mountain. So we were stuck on a mountain for about five, six days last week. And the sun came out, and temperatures rose a little bit, and it melted most of the snow. And then it came again. And uh, we were out another four or five days where we couldn't go anywhere. I got brave Wednesday night. I played hooky from work on Thursday. And um, we decided we would try to get out of our house. Well, we loaded up the van. I've got a caravan. And we're going down the switchback of my mountain, and ordinarily, your car would point downward as it goes down the hill. Mine decided to go sideways. (laughs) And my wife, of course, begins to panic. Well, as the man, I can't panic. I have to be cool. So I'm just sitting there sliding down the mountain, and she's looking at me and screaming, and she's scared to death. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. I'm thinking any moment, we're just going to flip over. And uh, so I, I stop and we still keep going, and I hit the brakes, and we're still keep going, and we're going down the side of the mountain. Finally, I back it up. We finally stop. We get going down in the right direction, and so I I actually invested in a a set of chains for tires. I don't know how to put them on, but I have them. (laughs) We tried to put them on. Emily and I did. There was a family we knew of that was sort of destitute. The dad had gone out sledding with some of his kids and had broken several ribs, Well, they they were already poor, and uh, he couldn't afford to go to the hospital or to the doctor, and so he was suffering through, and of course, the snowstorm was there, so we couldn't go and check on him. Well, at any rate, he can't work. They have no money. They have nothing coming in, but they believe God's going to take care of them. Well, he did. They heat their house with a wood stove, and that's all they heat their house with, and they had no wood, no nothing, so Emily and I decided to go to their house, which was about uh i don't know 20 miles away now 20 miles in mountain is like african time it's just throw everything out you knew okay because it's a long ways i live 10 miles from sevierville it takes me at least 30 40 minutes to get there so we're going through this snowstorm that is just blowing and blowing and we've got wood in the trunk and we're trying to get there and i bought these chains and I thought, well, if we need them, we'll put them on. So I got out at the bottom of their mountain because they had a big old wide road, and it was just packed full of snow. And I thought, well, I'm not going to make it up there. So I get out, and I'm thinking, I've got chains. That's why I bought them. So we get them out. Anybody ever put chains on a, on a vehicle? Some of you truck drivers maybe, people who lived up north. Well, I laid them out, and I looked at them. <laughs> and I grabbed that piece of paper, and I began to look at it. Then I looked at the chain some more, and Emily was there helping me, and snow's just coming down, and my fingers are freezing cold, so I decided to wrap it around the tire like it says. Long story short, they came down the hill and got their wood, but we got them some wood, which is a good thing. So living in the mountains can be fun, but it can also be dangerous. A lot of people get killed in the weather like that. They try to drive in it, snow, uh, ice is real bad, uh, if anybody came through Atlanta, I think You were telling me you came through Atlanta, six days in Atlanta, good Lord. We came through Atlanta Wednesday night. It took us about four hours just to get through Atlanta, just to get through Atlanta, not to Atlanta, but through it. It was ice everywhere. They had five lanes, but only two lanes were open. It was horrible. It was terrible. Cars all off the road, emergency vehicles everywhere. It was was a nightmare. But we made it. We're here. Um, I haven't been down in over a year now. Uh, last time Keith came up, in fact, the blender you bought me broke. Oh, no. Yes, it did. But thankfully, I bought it from China Mart, and I took it back. So I got a brand new one now, so you'll have to come back up and break it in. So living in the mountains can be fun. We do miss our friends and our family here. Um, It was was really tough for us Really really tough It's been tough for us It's been really hard In fact my wife tonight said She didn't want to come here tonight Because she knew it would be very hard on her Because she's already homesick anyway And she's afraid that she just would break down And lose it tonight And she was really tired anyway So she's having difficulty being up there Well we didn't know that God would want us to stay He told us to go And we thought okay we'll go for a year We'll help these people get this church started And uh they called me about a year before, and I talked to Keith about it, you know. And and you know, for some ungodly reason, they thought that they wanted me to be their pastor. And uh, I tried my best to dissuade these people; they didn't want me to be their pastor, and it didn't work. And so, about a year later, I heard the audible sound of the Lord. How many of you have heard the audible sound of the Lord? Literally, heard it with your ears—not the spirit, but you heard ears. Okay, I heard the Lord say, "It's time to go." Well, being the spiritual man that I am. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> so I thought, well, he's giving me a heads up. Maybe I've got some sin in my life. I need to get rid of it. And then he said, no, idiot. It's time to go to Tennessee. And I thought, oh, my Lord, I can't believe this. I've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. I had a job I loved. I only worked two days a week. I was off five days a week. I made more money than I ever made. It was great. The Lord said, no, I'm going to mess all that up for you. So I go up to Tennessee. We get there and it's of course raining, sleeting, freezing, snow. I want to turn around and come home cuz I'm from Florida. And we don't have snow in Florida, unless you make it. <laughs> and so I get there and I pull into this lady's house who's in the church, one of the few members there. And the first words out of her mouth, I kid you not, is you're not my pastor. You're not going to be my pastor. Wow. Okay. I said, well, you know what? I don't want to be your pastor. So there you go. (laughs) So I'm thinking, okay, Lord, is this a cruel joke, you know? So we settle into an apartment complex, and uh, we kind of get going to the church and everything. And the Lord just says, you know what? I don't want you to be the pastor here. I want this other fellow to be the pastor here. And I said, well, thank you. Now can I go home? Well, we signed a lease for a year at this apartment complex, and so we had to fulfill the lease. At the end of the year, that was my idea to go home. Now, you would think in Tennessee, as a nurse, it wouldn't be that hard to make a living. Well, they don't. Let's just say Tennessee is about 20 years behind the times in pay scale. So I had to work two jobs seven days a week for the first six months I was there just to make it. So I'm thinking, okay, Lord, this is really sick. You're very twisted. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't know what it is I did that was so wrong in my life that you had to do this to me. I'm going to a church where these people have been burned by the pastor before me. Okay? He up and left, decided he was taking all the equipment. He and his wife were very savvy, and they managed to get everything put into their names. So when they left, they owned everything, and they took it all. And... During that time, he was leaving the church. He had called me and asked me, What do you think I should do? And I said, Well, he says, He says, Well, most of my congregation wants to give most of the money away. I don't. I think it should be given to me and my wife. And I said, Well, if that's what you think, and most of your congregation says they want to do that, we said, Well, all of my congregation wants to do that. I said, Well, then if your congregation is the one giving all the money and they want to give the money away to somebody else, I think you should go with your congregation. He said, I won't do it. I'll shut it down, I'll put it all in storage, and it'll rot. And I thought, okay, there's the problem. That's what he did. Put all the equipment in storage, he left it there, it will literally rot before he gives it to anybody. That's the kind of person he was. So I'm coming into people who have been in the institutional church, who've been under this guy who was basically a tyrant, and they don't know me, but they heard about this prophetic thing. Now, how many of you are familiar with the prophetic? Okay, do you know the international sign for prophetic? This is it. This is the international sign for prophetic. (laughs) I'll let Keith tell you about that one day. All right. Y'all going to find out I'm real reverent, okay? So I go into this church. I try to introduce the prophetic worship to these people. Okay. Tennessee. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. They're good folks, but they say things like Ewens. First time I heard Ewens, I said, I'm sorry. Went into a restaurant, lady said, Ewens going to eat here? I said, I'm sorry. What did you say? She said, Ewens going to eat here. Can you say that slowly? I got used to the word you and means you and somebody else Down south we just say y'all Everybody knows (laughs) y'all Means you all, that's right So I get into this church and I'm trying to introduce these people to the prophetic Well, they don't really like the prophetic So once again, me and God had another conversation What are you doing? What, what is this? So I'm counting down the days to my lease being up. I'm getting out of Tennessee. I'm already packing things in my boxes to go. A year goes by, and the Lord says, I don't want you to leave yet. So I pretended I didn't hear him. <laughs> and so he said it again. I don't want you to leave again. This time he said it through my wife, which if you've met my wife, she is the Holy Spirit. Just want you to know, I married the Holy Spirit. It's okay, it's okay. So when he tells my wife, we're not to go yet, we are in a place where we are having to rent month to month. So I'm thinking, maybe he'll change his mind. And we can come back here where people like me. And they want me. And they understand how crazy I am. You know? But God says, no, it's not time to go yet. So we end up signing... Uh, lease with another place, and we moved to uh closer to my job at the time and we moved into this huge monster home and it was so big it would i'd get lost had to get a map just to find my way around it and uh, we ended up back in Sevierville about a year ago back in July, so about a year and a half ago, we moved to this house up on the mountain and uh it's a beautiful little house four bedroom three bath two story it's really nice little place beautiful in the uh, every season but winter it's great <clears throat> so we live there I don't go to the church anymore uh, about uh, February of last year God said it's time to go I had struggled with these people and struggled with these people they're good people they mean well they they love worship they just weren't interested in the prophetic so I said okay Lord what do I need to do he said you need to leave so I left so I have been away from that church now since February of last year. And I'm still asking God, why are we here? We've come, we've done what we're supposed to do, why are we here? How many of you ever been where that is? Where you just, okay Lord, why am I here? What are you doing? What are, what are we doing here? So that's where we are today. Um, I don't know how long God will have us there. Uh, If it were up to us We're very homesick We would come home tomorrow we come home today if we could But God had us there And he has us there And we did start a home group Uh, We had 15 people at our first night Which was good Uh, We have a lot of neighbors who come And and I have a lady who I work with Who's a nurse practitioner And um, she's been asking me For about the last year You know She doesn't understand Her kids were taken away from her Years and years ago When she was younger And her step or her ex-husband has been raising them. He's not a very nice guy. He sort of turns the kids against her, and so she's angry with God. Because how many of you know that if, once you become a Christian, everything's great? Right? I mean, we know that once we become a Christian, we don't have anything bad anymore in our lives. No cancer. Because God would never do that to us. Right. Well, she's struggling with that. So I'm trying to tell her, you know what? God loves you. And that's hard to explain to people. But she's coming around. It's a slow process, but she's coming around. So there are people that come through my life. There are people that come. I work in a clinic as a nurse, and I have people coming in. We see the people in our community, in our county, who cannot afford insurance, which is a lot of people today. Most people can't afford health insurance. I don't even have health insurance, and I work for the clinic. So we see people who can afford to buy their groceries, barely live on the mountains, you know, and and work two jobs. Most everybody works two jobs in Sevierville. Everybody works two jobs. That's just the way it is and then they barely make it. So they come in, and we, we see the poorest of the poor of the community in our little town in Sevierville. Now, when you go through Sevierville, all you see are the bright lights and the theaters and the, the Dollywood and, and, and you know the, the upside-down ship, the Titanic, and, and the upside-down house, and all the things that are there. And you, you, don't, you get off two or three blocks from that main drag, and there is abject poverty, people who literally live in poverty like you do not know like in a third world country. These are the people that live in Sevier County. These are the people that we serve at our clinic. So, I do get to do some ministering to these people. I do do the prophetic thing from time to time, which really blows them away. But I do get to do it from time to time, so it's a good thing. But I haven't been able to really walk in it like I really, really used to with with Keith and I. And so when I got up there, I asked God, I said, what's going on, what are you doing? And, uh, He hasn't told me yet. How many of you know that God just doesn't always tell you what you want to hear when you want to hear it? It'd be easier, wouldn't it? You know, we have one of those um, uh, GPS. How many of you have a GPS in your vehicle? Wow. We have this GPS in our vehicle. And my wife was saying one day, she said, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit. At the next turn, make a right. (laughs) Go 375 feet and you have reached your destination. Wouldn't that be easy if that was the way the Holy Spirit was? If we all had a GPS, would that not be great? Okay, Lord, I want to go to heaven. Or, okay, God, I want to, what do you want me to do? You know? And I thought about that, and I thought, wow, that would be so cool. If we had a GPS that was the Holy Spirit telling us where to go. But in a way, we do. But then we have to train our ears to hear from the Holy Spirit. Because we know there are other spirits out there who like to tell us things too, right? So, how do we get to know the Spirit of God? You know, people say, well, how do you know God told you that? Well, it's the only voice I've been hearing all these years. And my therapist says I'm getting better, so. (laughs) And how many of you know that if you tell people you hear from God, they kind of look at you like, okay, okay. Right, Prozac, (laughs) worked for me. How many of you have have had to tell people you heard something from God? Raise your hand if you've had to deliver a word one time. How hard was it? (laughs) How hard is delivering a word? Because what are you doing? You're stepping out in faith and you're saying something to someone who does not know you. This is what the Lord said. Well, why didn't he tell me? I mean, he created the entire universe, and you're telling me that he needs you to speak for him. Well, no, he doesn't. But he does that sometimes. Try to explain that to people. It's, it really blows their mind, especially when I have patients in the room, and I tell them things, and they're like, do I know you? No, but God does. How many of you know that an on-time word will change your life forever? How many of you have had a word given to you and it changed your life forever? Changed your very direction in life? Giving a word is important. Receiving the word is important. Acting on the word that was given to you is important too. If you get a word, if someone gives you a word. How many of you love to get a word? Be honest. Raise your hands. Everybody should raise their hands. I love to get a word. I am a word chaser. If I find out somebody's prophetic, I'm over there going, so, um, is the Lord telling you anything about me today? I mean, you know, just, I mean, don't work on it or anything, but just, you know, is he telling you something about me, you know, because I'd like to kind of know, you know. And, and uh, you know, prophetic people are strange. Right? But strange is good. Strange is good. You know, being prophetic, sometimes people treat you like the old vending machines. Remember the old vending machines where you, you, you punch your thing and you, you'd pull that little thing and hopefully the right one would come down? Yeah. Have you ever gotten the wrong thing? <laughs> coconut bomb bombs. <laughs> I hate coconut bomb bombs, and I just paid for this. How many of you gotten your word that you didn't like? Have you somebody give you a word that was hard to swallow? Yeah, what do you do with that word? Push that back there because that doesn't apply to me. I want a better word. Choke the messenger. Choke the messenger. Well, if we get a word, I'm gonna step up here because I do like to wonder. I have lust, my grandmother used to say. Where are you this week? Hi, Grandma, how you doing? Where are you living this week? <laughs> Love you too. Thank you. I like to wander, but you know what? How many people know that if you're following God's plan and God's word, you're going to wander? If we're stationary, if, if I decide, you know what? I don't want to leave Jessup, Georgia. I like the people I'm around. I like the church that I go to. I like the people here, they like me, they know me, they, they accept my weirdness and my craziness. I'm going to stay here, Lord. Okay. So what about all the people in Tennessee that I could have talked to? What about where God wanted me to go? But how many of us like to get comfortable? I mean, I like to I work two days a week, y'all. Two days. I had five days off a week. I was making really good money. Then I had to go work like a Hebrew slave. <laughs> and I don't mind working. It's just that, you know, every day. One of my jobs was working at the Titanic. How many of you been to the Titanic already in Pigeon Forge? The brand new one in Pigeon Forge. We opened it up. I was on the staircase. Except I talked with an accent. I tried the British one, but it always ended up being sort of a mangled James Bond kind of thing. And it wasn't really good. So I had a pretty good uh, sort of a Scot Irish accent. And so I'd say, welcome to the staircase. If you had stepped this way, I'd like to talk to you just a little bit. And people just go. And every now and then I'd foul up and throw a little southern in there. And if y'all would move up this way here. <laughs> and I'd have people come by and they'd say, are you really from Ireland? And I'd say, deep south Ireland. But I perfected it so well that I actually had people from Ireland come through. And they'd say, I could tell you from there. And I'd say, can you now? So, I got really good at it and I enjoyed my job there. It was fun. It was indoors and I got to talk to people. And believe it or not, I would, I would actually do the prophetic thing from time to time, which really threw people off. I mean, you do the prophetic, it throws them off anyway. But then when you talk like this here, <laughs> it really messes them up. So, I've got to do it from time to time, which I enjoy. It's fun, you know. Um, my wife, you know, she's there to keep me grounded. <laughs> That's what she says. I'm going to keep you grounded. I want your head to get real big. Oh, thank you. Really? She means well, bless her heart, but she's just not learned her place yet in our family. (laughs) That's all. I know it. I know it. It's okay. So, doing the prophetic is fun, it's challenging, it's scary it can be very sad sometimes how many of you given a very sad word to someone that maybe later something turned out and you're like oh my god I didn't know that's what it was that's bad but it's great to give a good word we love to get good words don't we like to get good words you know don't give me a bad word wait hold on don't even say it if it's bad don't even say it just strike it away and go back to someone else excuse me you can come here he's got a word for you you know (laughs) we don't like that do we we like to hear a good word. Okay, the one about getting rich, that's that's my word, excuse me, pardon me, that's, that's my word. I'll take it right now. I'm going to be rich, right, okay, thank you, thank you, I'll take that word. We take words that are good, don't we? Because we run with them, we hang on to them, right? But if somebody says something to you like, hmm, God's going to really mess you up a little bit. And you're like, oh, no, what's he going to do? And then we look for reasons for that word to come about. Oh, no, it must be this. Oh, it's got to be that. Oh, it must be that. I'm sure it's that. How many of you done that? But how many of you know that when God tells you something, it is not what you think it is? I gave a word one time, one word. Oreo. Oreo. We were at a conference in Atlanta, and I'd spoken at the conference, and I I apparently didn't talk to this particular person. So we're back at our hotel that night, my wife and I and another friend of ours, and this lady comes knocking on the door, and it was late, I think it was like 12 o'clock at night, I was pretty tired, and uh, she knocks on the door, and I open it up, and she says, I was at the conference tonight, and you didn't pray for me, you didn't have a word for me. And I said, well, if I didn't have a word for you. I'm sorry. I mean, I can't conjure one up. And so she said, well, you pray for me now. And I said, well, I don't do that. I I try not to do that. She was very desperate, very persistent. It was 12 o'clock in the morning. I was very tired. And so I said, sure, come on in. So she comes in and God was going to use this as a lesson for me and for her. So she sits down and I'm praying for her and I just see this picture how many of you see when you when you pray you, you see you're like a seer more than you are yeah okay you know what I'm talking about I saw a picture of Oreos the Oreo cookies and, I, and I'm thinking what I'm really tired you know and, and my wife looks at me and she knows I got a word because it's like that real stupid look on my face comes across and what, what are you crazy are you, Oreo so I tell her I said okay Oreo because I'm tired of her being in there, and I want her to leave. And um, she looks at me, and she says, what? My wife says, are you sure you heard right from God? And I said, hey, that's what I got, okay? That's what I got. Oreo, I'm sorry. Thank you. Good night. Bless you as you go. And so my wife says, are you sure you heard from the Lord? Because that don't sound like something the Lord would say. And I said, listen, it's the same voice I've been hearing, he said, Oreo, that's what he said, why do you do this to me? <laughs> so months and months, I guess six weeks go by, it seems like, you know. And I get an email from this person, and she says, hey, guess what? She's a word chaser. She's one of these people that go from prophetic uh, conference to conference to conference to conference. She can afford to, and she can do it, so she does it. She says, I got to the conference up in Indiana somewhere, I think. And... uh She says, I went checked into the hotel and grabbed my bags and got my key and went up to the room and walked in the door, threw my stuff on the bed, turned around, and on top of the TV was a pack of Oreos. And she said, I remember that word you gave me. It must mean something. I'm in the right place. So she runs out the door, goes down to the conference. She's in there, and she's praising the Lord, and there's about 5,000 people in there. And they're all, they're just praising the Lord. They're just all so happy. And she feels this woman next to her grab her hand, and she doesn't know her, but she says, Oh, it's okay because we're praising and worshiping. So she's holding this lady's hand, and then next thing you know, this lady leans into her and she says, Lord's got a word for you. Because, of course, it's a prophetic conference. So she says, God says, You're his bridge. She says, oh hallelujah, thank you, oh yes." So they're praising the Lord, praising the Lord She says, about that time this lady next to her grabs her hand Starts holding it, she looks over there and she doesn't know her either But she says, hey, it doesn't matter because I just got a word We're at a prophetic conference and the music is great And so the woman leans into her and she says, God's got a word for you She says, okay, what is it? She says, God said, you're his Oreo And she looks over there and she realizes She's a white woman standing between two black women true story true story so when she told me that I'm thinking that was pretty good <laughs> that, that was pretty good you know okay all right you, you got me so how many of you know that when you give a word sometimes it's not what we think it is because I was not thinking what how do you get prophetic and spiritual out of Oreo I mean I can have a spiritual experience eating Oreos But you can't, you know, it's hard to find the spiritual aspect to it. So that's where I learned when I tell people, you know, when we would go somewhere, I would share that story with people because sometimes you never know, you might just get a one-word thing. And so people wouldn't look at me crazy and ask us to help them understand it, you know. Because when you give a word, it's like delivering the mail. When you deliver the mail, you don't open the mail up and, and, and read it to the person and tell them. You just give them their mail. You deliver the message. It's like a, like, a, like, a, like a money gram kind of thing, or, or like the old Western, whatever it was, Western Union, you know. You just deliver it, they read it, they have to interpret it the way that they let the Holy Spirit tells them to interpret it. Now, when you get into trouble, is when people say, well, you told me this or that or this, what does that mean? Now, there's this prophetic sort of warranty that God gives us. And we step outside of that warranty, and we start interpreting things for people. That's where you go wrong. That's where you go wrong. I found the best way to do it, and Keith has been my, my teacher all these years, and he's told me, the best way to do it is just to say, that is what I have. You know, this is the word of the Lord. We believe we heard. Take it or leave it. Throw it out if you don't like it. You know, that's between you and God. I've done what I'm supposed to do to deliver the word to you. Amen? So, with that being said, um, I didn't really come with an agenda. Uh, I really just came to, to be part of the group tonight and to, to do some worship and stuff. Keith had asked me if I wanted to minister. I am I, I'm not your run-of-the-mill prophetic person. Maybe I am. I don't know. I don't run into very many prophetic people. Um, I do things a little unorthodox. Okay? I know that's hard to believe because I'm so spiritual, I'm, you know, very spiritual, actually, I'm not very spiritual at all, Uh, I'm just, I'm just, what you see is what you get, now, I have put on this dark beard, because I figure I'm living up in the mountains, I might as well look like a lumberjack, yeah, well, they actually have a new show coming out, the lumberjack thing up there in Pigeon Forge, what is it? The Axe, that sounds like a horror movie, The Axe Man. I don't know. (laughs) It could be The Axe Man, I don't know. But they have some sort of lumberjack thing coming in. Anyway, so people ask me, are you trying out for that? (laughs) Well, eventually I'll probably need another job. (laughs) How many of you ever been to the Miracle Theater in Pigeon Forge? Not very many of you. Well, this is their last year. They're not doing it anymore because... Nobody wants to pay to see people portray Jesus' life, and so it's the way it is. What makes it up there is country music, which I'm not opposed to country music. I like the old style. There's nothing wrong with it, but that's what makes it up there, country music and, and, and you know, the, the shows with uh, all the people and the variety and stuff like that. How many of you have ever been to the comedy barn? Go to YouTube, look up Comedy Barn, guy laughing. That's all I'm going to tell you. It'll blow you away. Well, in Pigeon Forge, if you live there, eventually you get to do everything for free because you either know somebody who works there or they just give you a break every year. It's kind of like Dollywood. How many of you have been to Dollywood? Wow, you people have led a sheltered life. Branson, there you go, our sister city. Well, being prophetic is... is, um, there, there are people who are prophetic who are musically prophetic. Uh, Ken is musically prophetic. Uh, Tasha is musically prophetic. Uh, there are probably others of you in here that are musically prophetic. People get up, they sing a song. It's just something that the Lord gave them, and they sing it, and they believe that it was what the Lord had inspired. Maybe it was playing an instrument. Maybe it was playing the piano. Maybe it was playing the drums. And then other people come, and they'll interpret Okay, so the prophetic is a wide field. And there's a huge gray area in this prophetic field. Okay, So, when you get a word from me, I can speak for me and me only. If I give you a word, I can promise you that I did not conjure it up. I can promise you that it is only what I hear the Spirit of the Lord tell me. Okay, I do that because I want people to understand because sometimes people think you might have heard something about them or you may have known something or you might have heard someone talking later I don't do that I don't I'm not a face reader you know I may have something for you I may not have anything for you it may be real specific or it may not be okay it may sound way off the wall but where's Beverly where's Beverly there she is bless her heart are you standing (laughs) Beverly was at our home group one night when uh, we had an Oreo situation where we had the word seven up. And uh, as she knows, and maybe she'll tell you that story one day, it changed her daughter's life. It changed her entire direction. Now, I am just a tool. We are all tools in a tool shed of the Lord's. Do you agree? Okay, you could build a house with a hammer. It would look really kind of like something I would do, uh, but you could do it. You could hammer a nail with the with the skill saw, but it wouldn't be as easy as using the hammer. You see where I'm coming from? We are tools on a wall, and each of us are a different tool. Each of us can do different things. Okay, could I have walked in that pastoral setting? I could have. I could have pulled it off. I could have been real pastoral. I could have said things like "Hallelujah." praise the lord won't you come won't you come won't you come that's my best billy graham but you know what i could do it if i wanted to i could walk in the in in the pastoral but that's not me that's not what god called me to do yeah i could get on these drums and bang and everything but i wouldn't be nearly as good as beverly because that's her calling but when we try to walk outside of our calling that's where we get in trouble you hear what i'm saying when we try to walk outside of our calling, that's when we get in trouble. Now, I'm a firm believer that if you want something from the Lord, a gift uh, like the the gift of prophecy, the gift of the gift of faith, how many of you have heard of the gift of faith? That's a tough gift because I don't have it. Okay, I don't have the gift of faith. I wish I could stand up here and tell you that I have the gift of faith, but I do not have it because I doubt. We were in Israel, and the man asked me to pray for his foot to grow. I was like, get somebody else. I don't have the faith to believe that God can do that, but you know what God told me? You may not have the faith, but I have the power, and that's all that matters. You be a willing tool inside of my shed, and when I need you, I will go and I will get you, and I will pull you down, and I will do what I need to do, my project, and I will use you. Now, just because all the other tools see you getting used, sometimes they get jealous. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many people know that there are preachers and pastors who will get jealous because someone has more gifts than they do? It happens because we fear fear that someone may take away our flock. And we don't want that. Or someone may think, oh, well, I'm going to Dan next time because Dan knows more than the pastor does. Or I'm going to Brother Keith because he knows more than my pastor does. Okay? Walking in the prophetic. How many of you are prophetic? Raise your hand if you're prophetic. If you have the gift of prophecy, raise your hand. Raise it high. Don't be ashamed. Raise it. uh uh-huh, A bunch of crazy people. Raise your hands again. Let me see you because I want to make sure I don't. Okay. All right. I'm just kidding. If you're prophetic, you know you're prophetic, right? Did anybody have to tell you you were prophetic? Did anybody have to tell you you were prophetic? Okay. Well, how many of you knew when you were a little kid that there was something different about you? Raise your hand. Okay, you knew something was different. But the church didn't always embrace that, did they? Because how many, I mean, if I'm 45. I grew up when the prophetic was, we didn't even know what the prophetic was. And I grew up holy, holy, holy goes Pentecostal, big-haired people, okay? And we spoke in tongues and fell out on the floor and run the benches and stuff, but, I mean, we didn't know what prophetic was. We didn't know what that was. So nobody really knew to tell you when you were a kid growing up and you were prophetic, what did you have? What resources did you have? But was the world there to tell you, oh, yes, you are. You have extrasensory perception. How many of you ever heard you were told you have ESP? Raise your hand. Amen. Because the world will take you just like you are, crazy and all, won't they? The world will take you. And if you tell someone, I'm a psychic, they'll look at you and they say, wow. But if you say, yes, I'm prophetic, did you say pathetic? (laughs) Oh, no, 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 I said prophetic. What the heck is that? Well, it's where you hear from the Lord and then you lost them. Because nobody really wants to believe that God speaks through anybody. And I will tell you, before I came to this church, I was a naysayer. I didn't believe in the prophetic. I thought it was a bunk. I thought that people were face readers. I thought that they were just, you know, carnival people. And my wife, the Holy Spirit, drugged me to a conference, a Morningstar conference in Charlotte, North Carolina. I did not want to go. She made me go. How many of you married out there? Men, raise your hand if you're married. How many, okay, you know what I mean, when she made me go. Okay. So we get there, and I don't even want to be part of this. I just want to enjoy the hotel that we're staying in. She drags me to the conference. There's all these freaks everywhere. There's these flags. Flags? And there's all these people that look like, hippie rejects and they're all signing up at this table to have a reading so I get over there and the lady says oh I'm so sorry sir we've already met our limit for the day and I said well that's just fine and my wife's like oh no ma'am you have to let him you you don't understand and she's trying to beg the woman so this lady behind us this really wonderful saint of God said you can have my ticket and I'm like "No, no, no 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 I don't want your ticket you keep it no no and my wife says we'll take it thank you So she says, all I want you to do is just go in there, just go in there, just, just go in there with an open mind and just let them talk to you, just let the Lord talk to you. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, lady, what time do I have to be back here? What is this, some sort of reading thing? And she's like, oh, you need to be back about 2 o'clock. So I said, I'm going back to the hotel, I'm going to lay down, and I'll be back at 2 So about 1.30, my wife comes in, she says, get up, get up, it's almost time. And I said, time for what? She said, to go get your reading. I said, oh, God, I was hoping you were in there just worshiping and you'd forget, and 2 o'clock would go by, and I would get to be away from this. So she drags me down there, and she says, okay, my husband's here. I'm like an invalid. (laughs) My husband's here, he wants to be read. So this guy comes to me, and he says, okay, if you'll stand in here, and I see all these other schmucks standing around waiting to get a word. And I'm standing there, and i got this baseball cap on, and I'm thinking, okay, they're not going to read my face. I'm not going to tell them anything. I'm going to show these people they're all a bunch of fakes. So this lady comes out, she goes, "Um, Mr. Hartley? I said, yes, and she said, come with me, please. So I'm like, okay, whatever. She's like, okay, have you ever done this before? I'm like, no. Do I look like I've done this before? Being real Christian-like, you know. She says, well, we want you to sit here, and uh, we're going to pray over you, and we're just going to give you whatever the Lord gives us. I'm like, right. So I sit down in the chair, and I lean my head down, and I pull my cat way down because they're not going to see my face. They begin to pray, and they give me some generalized things. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Anybody could say that. And then she says it. She doesn't just say some generalized word. She goes all the way back, tells me how old I was, where I was, and exactly what the Lord had done to me. And I'm standing there. Now she's got my attention. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what are the odds that she would get that? How how does she, oh, my God, what the, oh, my Lord. And so she says, okay, that's all we have for you. And I'm like, what? what you just you just told you you just told me I'd where where are you going where are you going you must explain all this to me and I'm so I'm really freaked out and I go back to the hotel and my wife says are you okay she said they told you something didn't they and I said yeah yeah how'd they know that and so that was my introduction to the prophetic and it sort of piqued my interest So I realized at that point in time that there really were people who were prophetic. Then I met Keith. In fact, I, where's Daylene? Where's Daylene? There she is in the pink. Bless your heart. She was my nursing instructor, y'all. Anyway, she gets a special crown in heaven just for teaching me. They'll roll it out in heaven. Everybody in heaven will look around there and say, my God, what is that? Oh, that's Daylene's crown for teaching Dan. So I get back into town. I haven't seen Daylene in seven years. And and, and I, I, my wife and I just moved here. And uh, we, were, we were kind of in the prophetic kind of thing, you know. And uh, I was in a church in Jacksonville before about three and a half years, and I went to my pastor and I told him, I said, I, I really think I'm prophetic. And he says, oh no, that's that's a bunch of demonic stuff. So I said, really? He's like, yeah, it's demonic. And I was like, oh wow, I would have never guessed it. Anyway, so when I come here, we were praying. My wife says, okay, I was going to the hospital to visit my dad, and my wife says, okay, you need to pray and ask the Lord where we need to go to church. Well, we had worked for the Baptist the, the Southern Southern Baptist of Jacksonville and Florida. The hootie-tootie downtown Southern Baptist. And uh, so we sort of had a <laughs> taste in our mouth from working for the Baptist. So when I get to the church, I run into no other than Miss Daleen who says, wow, because I believe she was a, like, uh, Episcopalian or something. You were... Methodist very similar um, She says I got filled with the holy spirit and i'm i'm blah 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 and she says, going off and i'm like Have you hit your head? So she says oh and i'm going to this really great church and you need to come tonight <laughs> And i'm like, okay lord, is this it? And so I took that as that was where we were supposed to go and and I and I, and I get to the church and I realize it's a Baptist church, because <laughs> at the time you had had Providence Baptist on there, and I'm thinking, oh God, I didn't hear you, that was not what you said. <laughs> but I went anyway, and I met Keith and and I met Tasha that night, and it was a pretty interesting night, and uh, it sort of knit us together from that point on. and And uh, Keith was was brave enough and graceful enough to take me under his wings and and teach me. God, he tried. He really did, y'all. It's not his fault. Um, don't blame him. But We've had some good times together. We've traveled all over the world together, and, and, uh, and here I am today. <laughs> Ta-da! So, what I'd like to do tonight, um, I don't, thank you, thank you. I don't typically, um, like Von Clark. I love Von Clark. I, how many of you have ever heard Von Clark? I love Von Clark. Six flags over Jesus, y'all. Six flags over Jesus. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I love Von Clark. He is awesome. I I, I even wanted to get me a vest like his, you know, because it's like a mantle, you know, the Von Clark mantle. I'm getting something now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I like Von Clark, but i I've, I've when Keith and I have ministered together, we um we just we would just do whatever the Lord told us to do. Okay. Uh, typically in the past, what I would do is I would have you come up and I would pray for you and, and I would give you whatever I felt like the Lord was giving me. Now, if I don't have something for you, um, if I if I go past you or something um, and I don't have something for you right then, I don't mind you asking me later at the end if if you want me to pray for you. Okay, I don't mind doing that. But can I tell you that if you are prophetic, if you are prophetic and you know that you're prophetic, okay, you should be doing what I'm doing. Amen? How many of you can do what I'm doing that are prophetic? Raise your hand. Because what I'm doing is nothing. I didn't earn this. Okay, I didn't go to school for it. It just was given to me. It's nothing I, I don't think it's me. I'm simply a tool. The hammer doesn't say, I built the house. The saw doesn't say, I built the house. You know what I'm saying? The master is the one who builds the house. And if you hear the word of the master, if you hear the voice of God, then you know the voice of God when you hear it. Did you know that the penguins, millions of penguins can be around, but the mother can hear her child's or her little penguin's squelch or voice or whatever Out of all these millions, and she'll know exactly which one it is and go right to them. Have you ever heard that before? Isn't that amazing? How many of you know that if you hear the word of God, you heard the voice of God? You know what it is. And if you don't hear the word of God or you hear something else trying to come in, you know it's not the word of God. Right? We don't have to practice in the occult to understand what God is all about. Do you see where I'm coming from? The Secret Service, the United States Secret Service, Department of Treasury, these guys that go around and try to foil people who make fake money, okay? They don't study all of the fake bills. You know what they study? The real thing. That's all they see is the real thing. The real thing. So when something fake comes up, do you think they recognize it right away? Absolutely. So when you commune with God... When you pray with God, when you spend time with God, you are studying the real thing. So when you hear the word of God, you know the real thing. You've heard the real thing. All right? is Tasha, would you mind playing just a little bit while I do this? Is that okay with you? You all right with that? Thank you. Thank you. I find that music is the grease to the prophetic. I can sit down at the keyboard and play and just... I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just me. How many of you have found that that the music kind of just it, it it eases in the prophetic? I don't know. It's it, there's something has to be something spiritual about it. There's a scripture about that. Okay. See, I'm so spiritual. I didn't even know it. Wow. Six flags over Jesus, y'all. All right. I'm just going to enter into the spirit right now. That's what I'll be doing. And uh, I want you to do the same thing because I think it's important corporately for us to enter into the spirit of God. It's just like when you were worshiping earlier; we're entering into the spirit of God. We are becoming corporately connected to God. And I want to encourage you too. um, If you are prophetic and you have a word for someone, okay, I don't have a problem with you giving that person the word, okay. After we're done. Okay, only reason I say that is because we want to stay focused on what we're doing here And I don't want to mess up the people around you. Okay, but if you have a word for somebody Give them that word. Okay, don't don't sit on it But give them the word but do if you will please just wait till um, Till we're done here. That's all I ask so father Father, I thank you Lord, I give you praise and I give you honor and I give you glory for all that you've done You are so awesome in my life even when I don't deserve what you do for me. I don't deserve anything, God, but wrath and punishment. But you have love for me and you have mercy for me, Lord. And these are your people, Father. These are your children, God. And they love you and they they want to hear from you tonight. And so, Father, I'm just asking you right now just to speak through me this evening, Lord, that I would be removed from the equation totally, God, that it's not about me. It's not about me, God. It's about you. It's all about you, Father. So, Father, I just ask you this evening, Lord, if there's a word, if there's something that needs to be said, something that someone needs to hear this evening, Lord, I ask that you just open my heart, open my mind, open my ears, Lord, my spiritual ears, that I might hear what you have to say.